Blog Talk Radio. to another fun edition of Rundgren Radio. I'm glad that you guys have been able to join us tonight because I think we're going to have a couple of really special things. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Tom Jennings as my co-host tonight since Doug uh, is unable to be here tonight. Uh, Tom has done a couple of really nice interviews, uh, one very recently with Todd Rundgren, so we're going to be running that interview in a little while but i've got a few announcements to make first you know the drill people bear with me i'll be be as quick as i can spirit of harmony foundation is still running their hello it's tea campaign you can get a mug it's a real cute little hello tom we can hear you oh (laughs) okay tom i'll get to you in just a minute Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't uh, know what happened. I don't know either. Anyway, I was just talking about the uh, Hello, It's Me, or Hello, It's Tea coffee mugs that the Spirit of Harmony Foundation is selling as a great little fundraiser. It was designed by Mark Wooden. And if you would like to get one, you go to www.helloitstea.com. Uh, Todd Store has a lot of great merch right now. They also are still carrying the DVD version of the Wizard of True Star album, and that was performed in Akron back in 2009, I believe. So better order it before they run out. That's at toddstore.com. You can also hear uh, Todd's most recent uh, symphonic uh, collaboration, Up Against It concert, is available online. Uh, If you want to get to know the link to that it's it's kind of involved so uh, just uh, go to uh, uh, any any of the Rundgren pages on Facebook should have it uh, you can also go to rundgrenradio.com and click join us and that will put us put you on our mailing list and uh, we've been sending out the actual live link with that and hey join us anyway Todd is out on the road right now with Ringo Starr and his all-star band See if they're going to be playing anywhere near your town and go see it. It's a really fun show. Um, New show that was added for late in the summer, August 20th, an evening with Todd Rundgren in Pershing Square in Los Angeles. And guess what? It's free. That's August 20th, sometime that evening, I believe. And, of course, we've got Todd's Tyrolean Getaway Camp. You can go to Todd Rundgren's Tyrolean Getaway Camp forward slash camp that's going to be held in vermont august 22nd through the 26th i believe and they're still planning on doing a todd fest west out in california Uh, they haven't decided upon a date yet so um we'll keep you informed of that and plus you know like i said there's a bajillion rundgren pages out on facebook so uh, i'm sure they'll be updating that as well 
Okay, Tom, you think I should get to the exciting news here? It, it, absolutely. Okay. Is, is everybody listening? Because this is important. You're going to want to know about this. This afternoon late, Doug and I got some good news. At least we we are thinking that it's very good news. We are 90% sure that we will be having the Rundgren Radio Year 9 Birthday Bash 7. Labor Day weekend. Now, that's 90% sure. That's not 100% sure. But I can give you a few little teasers, and I'm not going to fall for the pressure if anybody wants to try to bribe me because I'm not, I'm, I'm not allowed to tell what's going on. But the location is going to be within striking distance of New York City. It's going to rock your world. Uh Unfortunately, Todd will not be available to join us, but that doesn't mean we're not going to party hardy. And as Doug would say, it's going to be off the hook. And uh, we think that it's actually going to top some of the Boston uh, uh, events that we did uh, a couple years ago. So as I would say, it's going to be redonkulous. I can't tell you any more about who's going to be there or uh, the exact dates, but it will be Labor Day weekend. So go ahead and ask for time off if you need to, and uh, we hope that you'll be able to join us. When we did this in Boston without Todd a couple years ago, it was a blast. We went and saw the pyramid out in a field, and we had a picnic, and we had the hermits of Mink Halloween playing, and... um, and uh, well, actually, it was it was John Pohida was playing under the pyramid. That was beautiful. Um, but we've got some other special things lined up. So uh, stay tuned. Maybe we'll know a little bit more next week on this show. And by the way, as long as we're talking about next week, in case I forget, our guest next week is going to be Millie from the No World Order tour. So it should be a lot of fun. And that's all I got as far as information that needed to get out there. Um, we want to welcome our guest, Tom Jennings. And Tom, you you got to speak with Todd recently. How, how did that come about? Well, the uh, Ringo Starr and his all-star band tour, uh, typically they, they kick off with a press conference. And uh, luckily enough, I happen to be part of the Western New York media group and was able to get invited to the press conference, which was held in Syracuse, New York, on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. And then as part of that, I, I requested, you know, they do these things differently each time, but I, I requested to interview a band member, and, you know, Todd was my top choice, and he obliged, and we, we were able to kind of sit and chat for about 10 minutes after the, the full press conference and talk about some things. And, I, you know, quick interview, but lots of stuff, I think, and, and a lot of stuff I'm not sure if he's covered in the past, but uh, hopefully people will get something out of it. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, at these press conferences, um, is it in, in it's like major players, you know, like major New York newspapers and TV stations, or, or how does that work? Well, this one, there was, uh, I mean, there was a lot of the, the local press from Syracuse. There was some legendary story about how Ringo Starr and John Lennon uh, were in Syracuse for John Lennon's 31st birthday. 
um, and we're supposed to play an impromptu concert. So there was a guy that uh, that was trying to, to find out if there was any truth behind that, you know, that whole story and everything. And there's pictures of, of it. So, I mean, Ringo was in town at the time, but he was pretty funny. He just said, I don't remember anything. Um, and which the guy was kind of disappointed. But, yeah, a couple of the New York City newspapers, I think – with all due respect, going on its fifth year, so you're not going to have as much of a media presence because they're not announcing any new members. It's really just a kickoff of, of the same group, and typically they were launching out of Niagara Falls, Canada, or Rama, Ontario, which is north of here as well. So this is this is actually the fifth press conference I've been to for Ringo, and I think of those, at least three have been with this current lineup. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, let's see, the current lineup that, that Todd is working with is uh, Steve Lukather, Greg Raleigh, of course, Ringo Starr. How, how did I forget that? Uh, <laughs> let's see, who am I missing here? Uh, 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 you got Warren, Warren Ham is the guy that took over for Mark Rivera, because Mark Rivera is uh, kind of an unsung, I mean, Warren Ham's sort of the unsung hero of the band, because he, he wasn't really a big name coming in, and Mark Rivera was in that spot before, and he's now working with Billy Joel, so he's not able to be on the tour. Um, the guy right. from Mr. Mister, whose name is uh, Richard Page, moment, yes. Richard Page, and uh, let's see, Greg Bissonette, who was a drummer, and he was a drummer in um, the David Lee Roth band, and I mean, he's done a lot of other work aside from that, but that's that's one that people may recognize. Right. Okay. Well, do you do you need to introduce this interview, or should we get to it? What do you, What do you want to do? Yeah, I don't really know. You know, it's funny. I just did it on Friday, but I've I've never I've only listened to a snippet of it back um, because it you know it uh, just wanted to make sure the sound quality was okay. But just to set it up, we were sitting in a room. It was just myself and Todd. Uh, the 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 recorder was sitting on a table between the two of us, and uh, he seemed very relaxed. Um, he's getting great, you know, got great reviews on the opening night of the tour. I think a lot of people are seeing he's, uh, he's really energized and I don't, I don't know if I'm the only one. It looks like he's lost a fair amount of weight, uh, since even the winter tour and just is, is in an in incredible form, both vocally and physically. But yeah, we talked about in, in eight minutes time, I tried to jam in as many topics as I could. The one I was the most, the one I wanted to get to the most was the upcoming album. He does touch on that. Awesome. Okay. Well, then let's take a listen. This is Tom's recent interview just Friday with Todd Rundgren. Todd? How are you doing? Always great to see you. Uh, Tom Jennings. What did you do to yourself? No, I was running a half marathon and the leg, the leg snapped and Ouch. my first mile. Yeah. I had to, I was photographing your show in North Tonawanda when the, when the cast was still on, so that was a bit of a challenging shoot. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was a great show. Um, well, I, I guess the first question, if if I could ask, is um, with Prince just passing. I mean, you were on that Saturday Night Live episode with Prince, and I don't know if you had any chance to. We didn't interact. run into each other. As a matter of fact, we were kind of. I don't know whether they thought it would be some sort of a faux pas or something, but they didn't even say that there was another musical act on the show. Well. As you recall, he was the very last thing on the show. It was during the uh, what is it, the Gene Domanian years with 
Lorne Michaels wasn't producing the show, and the writing was so poor that they didn't have enough material from week to week. And so, like, for the first time ever, they had two musical acts on the show. And uh, I was set up in one sort of area and had a rehearsal and never crossed paths with him, never even knew that he was on the show until they announced him and said, Lady Gilman Prince. Wow. And there he was in a little black coat and tidy whiteies. <laughs> <laughs> now, he mentioned that, that you were an influence to uh, to him as an artist. I mean, uh, do you... Well, I've heard such, and I heard at some point he was, like, at a show or something that tried to get back to see me, but I don't re recall such a thing, you know. Hmm. So, um, it's, it may be true, but I, have, I can't independently confirm it. I never met him myself. Well, um... This, this theater is a brand new one, so I guess a, mm -hmm. an, an interesting question may be, what are some of the most memorable venues that you've played? I mean, you've been playing out since 1967, 68 yeah. about? Well, let me see, you know, I can never forget uh, Nebworth. We played on uh, three, three occasions, uh, Utopia played three three shows at Nebworth. Nebworth is this big outdoor festival that they have like once a year. And the headliners were the Rolling Stones. So it was essentially a half a million people. One show. We played at one o'clock in the afternoon and it was just like stiflingly hot, but never played for that many people before. Then played a year or two later, uh, Led Zeppelin was the headliners, and they played two consecutive weekends. They had like 300,000 one weekend, 200,000 the other weekend. So Nebworth is a pretty spectacular gig. Um, not too long ago, a couple years ago, um, they had a tribute at the Hollywood Bowl for uh, anniversary of the Beatles' appearance at the Hollywood Bowl, and they had essentially the L.A. Philharmonic Orchestra and they sold that out for three nights. It's like 9,000 people, I think, at the Hollywood Bowl. But the thrill for me was that I got to do, amongst the songs that I did, I did a day in the life with full orchestra. Mm -hmm. So that was, um, that was quite memorable as well. Yeah, and I mean, the Beatles have obviously been a very important part of your career. I'm faithful. You, know, you covered uh, Strawberry Fields Forever, and I mean, I, those songs that you covered on the one side were well, all... Well, don't forget to, to face the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long lost Beatles record. Yeah. Well, it's very funny, because actually, uh, Joe over here and I were actually talking about that on the way up the, the to face the music. And uh, I don't know if anyone ever asked you if Ringo or any of the Beatles ever heard that album, if they ever had a thought. It gave I mentioned it to him like long ago, like the first time I went out to him. He had, he had not heard about it, but he's, he isn't particularly curious about that kind of stuff, you know, cover versions by other people or he spoops or whatever it is. He's, you know, he lived it, so it's not as intriguing to him as it is to us. <laughs> I mean, do you think that that album, uh, I mean, I know the timing was right around the time John Lennon was murdered, and uh, do you think that hurt the album at all, or was it just mm. maybe something, if you could... No, do I mean, it was, uh, it was probably always a difficult record to promote in a certain sense, because it was, it, it was a very affectionate parody, but it was a parody as well. Um, the Runnels had the advantage of us in that regard, you know. I've always thought, I mean, I know you mentioned at one point you thought Bat Out of Hell was a, a Springsteen parody, and I almost wondered if, 
the face came out of that same sort of thinking, or if they were, if there no relation to that at all. Well, I was, you know, first time I saw Meatloaf play Meatloaf's material, Simon's material, essentially written to him. Yes, the first thing that popped into my head was this is kind of like Bruce Springsteen, but way more burlesque than that. Mm. Um, and that was the image I had in my mind the whole time I was doing that record. But, you know, we were all, everybody was really influenced by the Beatles, so the opportunity to um, essentially tribute them in a way by deconstructing and reconstructing their material, sort of. You know, every song on that album is based on a one or two previous Beatles songs. You know, I just want to touch you is like, I want to hold your hand, <laughs> that kind of thing, so. Yeah, complete with the videos, too, I remember. Um, and, and uh, you know, looking forward, because I know you're always a forward thinker, and, and Global was just an amazing album. Loved it. Loved the tour. It was a lot of fun. It was, um, yeah. So, so, rumor is you're going to be working on an album in the, in the fall? I mean... I have contracted to do another album, and I'll actually start working on it when this tour is over. I get about a month and a half off before I have to do something again, so I will... Uh, start to get into that in earnest. Uh, I don't have actually any completed material yet, but it's uh, because I write in a sort of peculiar manner. I construct all the music first and then I write the song afterwards. So it's sort of backwards from the way that most people do it. Um, it'll be a more collaborative record than I've done in the past. You know, Global and State and most all of my other records, I've got other musicians who appear on occasion, but because I live in Kauai, it's too difficult to, you know, just call somebody up and say, let's do a session. So, uh, the result of that is, you know, I've been doing all, almost all the recording myself with occasional guest, guests appearing, but uh, I'd like the input of some other people maybe, you know, you make it a little more interesting process rather than me having to come up with it all myself. And also, like, when you do everything yourself, the only people who really know about the record is my audience. Right. If you start collaborating with other people, then their audience becomes aware as well. And then uh, I think that's, you know, probably the way that most people build their audiences nowadays is by, um, is by uh, having a song that has F-E-A-T dot and then a list of names right. after it. You know. Well, I think you can probably say that this tour has done that for all of you guys. You know, a lot of people that maybe... I, well, I wasn't listening to Mr. 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 before this tour, but I really thought back and loved that material. Yeah, well, this is, a, a, you know, as, as uh, Ringo has pointed out, and as we all realize, this is sort of a unique hybrid. That's why he's kept it together so long. Um, the only disadvantage is that We've been essentially playing the same set for four years, yeah. with with minor changes here and there. Depending on whether Ringo's got a new record out or something like that, but we kind of uh, know it in our cell memory by now. We played it so often, and maybe someday he'll uh, decide to uh, just change it all up, you know, do something different. Yeah. But the audience has seemed to like it, and. We're, uh, we've done a couple of tours outside the country, and uh, that's been successful as well for the most part. So, 
Ironically, we have never, not with this version of the band, happened to Europe. Hmm. Ringo says he doesn't get um, great response in Europe, and we had actually planned this tour to be a European tour. But then all of the, uh, it was just around the time that the, you know Paris bombings and stuff happened. You know, Ringo, Ringo said, "Let's not. Everything's just in too much turmoil over there." I think it was probably maybe difficult also to find promoters when that sort of uncertainty is, is a factor. Um, you never know when something crazy is going to happen and your show is canceled. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a very tense time out there. Well, looks like you got to go. All right. As always, I appreciate it. Good interview for being so short. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he packed in a lot of information in a very short period of time. I, I don't know if I've ever heard the Prince story before and I don't know I mean I know he talks a little bit about the face on occasion. Um I thought his take on that was, was very interesting and you know the uh even the, the kind of the, the model which is which a lot of artists are doing, I really hadn't even thought about it until I was just listening to it now was how you, you get in front of other people's audiences and, and you know these these package tours on some level may look like on the surface a money grab. But the reality is that is that if you get on the bill with the right artist and, and you can get in front of their fans, you can you can make new fans. You know, I mean I, I look at even like the show that you and Doug did with uh, Pat Travers. You know, Pat Travers is a guy that I've kinda listened to for a while, but getting to see him live in, in that setting really made me appreciate him again and go back and revisit his old stuff and, and start listening to some of the newer stuff that he's done, which is, which is really good as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it does make sense. So let me ask you something. Just, just, it's just you and me talking. Let's just say no one is listening here, but um, <laughs> you interview a, a lot of people. Uh, when you go into an interview such as this one with Todd, I'm sure you sort of felt a little pressured for time. You didn't want to, you know, bore him with wordy questions like I do. Um, but do you go in with a like an outline of what you'd like to hit on, and then you just listen to what how he's answering, and then go from there, or do you just move down to the next question? I I used to when I when I first started doing interviews, I would write out uh, questions, you know, ones that I really wanted to hit. I guess you call them the talking points, and I felt like it's it's funny. I just had this conversation with another artist that I was interviewing the other day, a guy from a band called Taking Back Sunday. And I felt like my style, whether that's a strength or a weakness or whatever, is more on kind of the conversational end. And I think if an artist knows that you know them and you respect them, the interview kind of t- tends to turn into more of a an interesting conversation instead of, like a typical feature piece for a show might be, um, I use this example all the time, but this guy named Rich Williams from Kansas. You know, I interviewed him three times, and the first time I interviewed him, he told me the story of how he came up with uh, that opening piece for Dust in the Wind. And then the second time I interviewed him, a year later when they came back to town, exact same story, top to bottom. And so the third time I interviewed him, he began that story again. And I just said to him, I go, hey, Rich, you know, not for nothing, man, but like, is there anything else that we can talk about? You know, like, I, I, I feel like that story's already out there. And, and so I guess what I try to do is I try to have a conversation, and then when I go back and present it, 
I, I like to pull something out of it that a people find interesting and b it, it's not it's not a talking point. Now, now that being said, there are artists that that are very controlled. You know, no matter which direction you try to take the interview, they are they are pros and they know where to keep it. You know, David Casty, I interviewed him recently and. And David was very reserved because I think there's been some things in the press about him, and he was a little bit nervous, so he was afraid I was going to go like paparazzi or whatever on him. Which I, honestly, I don't care. You know, I I, I, I just want to talk about the music. You know, I don't care who you dated in 1973 or or what hotel room you trashed. It's more like you know, how did you come up with this song, or or you know, what was the inf- your your father's influence on your your acting career? You know, those types of things. So mm-hmm. I guess the the long answer is um, no. I really don't. I don't. I prepare mentally, like I I study whoever I'm interviewing them, so I feel like I have a basis of who they are. And on occasion, I may think to myself, I gotta ask this question. But more often than not, I never even get to that question that I intend to go in and ask. And in this interview, the only thing I really intended to ask was about the new album. And um, even the Prince thing was kind of like. Yeah, everybody's talking about Prince and my buddy Joe that I mentioned in the thing. He goes, I said, yeah, you know, I thought that Prince stuff was pretty interesting. He's like, ah, everybody's talking about Prince. You know, <laughs> I didn't even. I'm like, oh, why do I feel like a lousy, you know, interviewer or whatever? So, oh, believe me, everybody, everybody's been there, especially with Todd. But I had a funny thing. It was probably our first year on the air here. And uh, some of these listeners are, are much newer than, than that, so they probably don't know the time that I really stuck my foot in it. And uh, we had Michael Shreve on as a guest. And, you know, he was the uh, youngest performer at Woodstock. He was a drummer with Santana, very famous drum solo that's all over YouTube and everything. Of course, I had fought Doug to be the one to ask him about that, and he just read me the riot act. And then we had nothing to talk about after that. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So if y'all ever want to go back in the archives and listen to the Michael Shreve interview, uh, you're you're welcome to embarrass me about it next time you see me. <laughs> yeah, well, I had, well, even worse, I interviewed uh, Johnny Winter before he passed away, and I turned down two subsequent offers to interview him because he was just a notoriously kind of quiet guy. Um, and I've seen interviews where he's opened up, but for some reason, when I talked to him, he didn't open up. And that was a case where I just remember I go, uh, oh, yeah, so you were at Woodstock. He's like, yep. And I go, oh, great. Well, do you have any memories of it? It was a mess. I'm like, well, did you get to interact with any of the other artists there? Nope. Flew in, flew out. And, like, the whole interview just went like these little snippets until finally I just said to him, I go, you, you, don't, you don't really like interviews, do you? And he's like, nope. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! That's funny. Yeah, you just never know. And then uh, I had this one guy interviewed um, Michael Mike Doty is his name, and he had a book that had come out, and I read the book and I loved it. I mean, I read it cover to cover, and you know, a few hours, and just kind of breezed through it, and it was just really a compelling book. And the title of the book was The Book of Drugs, and I thought, man, this is really an awful title. And it's funny, we talk about like interview styles, and this was at a point kind of early on and when I was doing this as like my part-time gig, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try to be tricky here and, and really just, you know, come out of the gate as that, as that cool guy who asked a really provocative question. So I said, hey, Mike, you know, really love, really love the book, really hate the title. 
this guy's dropping F-bombs. He literally is, is ready to get up and just walk away from the interview. So for the whole – and the video's out there if you ever, you ever <laughs> like, YouTube it. And I am just, like, I am scared to death. So we leave the, the interview with my buddy Gus, who, who does backstage access. He's like, uh, I don't even think I could run that thing. I mean, that was, that was awful. And then he calls me back a couple of days later. He's like, the video editor saw it. It's priceless. It's classic. Just the way you look. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, and it's funny, in retrospect, I feel really bad, you know, because a, a musician is, it's like you and me. I mean, they're, they're people, and uh, they have things that they like to talk about, and they probably have things that they just don't really feel like talking about it because it gets kind of old. But, you know, and, and, it, and it's personalities, too. I mean, I think that, that you or me or Doug or anybody, for that matter, some of us are going to have chemistry with, with someone we interview, and some of us just, just aren't, and that, that's just kind of the way it is. Mhm. Yeah. Oh, that's a funny story. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we listen to your interview that you did with Todd's some of Todd's band members? Uh when wh- when did you do this interview and under what uh circumstances? Where were you? Yeah, this one, you know, and this was one I really haven't listened back to. I mean, I I um I remember it vividly. And it was at, it was in North Tonawanda, New York, which is near Buffalo, and it was on that first leg of the you know the last tour that he was doing the the greatest hits, if you will. And um, I had done an interview with Mary Lou Arnold out in Akron in the fall, and for um, the Todd Fan Magazine, and and I was planning on doing this as as kind of a follow up piece. Um, the Mary Lou Arnold interview has subsequently been published, and I don't know, I'll, maybe I'll send you the link if you want to put it up on the Rungren Radio page. But Mary Lou, I mean, as far as interviews go, I, I think it was one of my favorites ever, like of anybody, any musician, any human being. She just has, has a kind of a presence and a soul about her and, and a humility that, that is just untouched. And, you know, her her love story of her and Jesse is really very touching and, I, I don't know. I mean, I could go on and on about Mary Lou Arnold, but um, so then I, I had an opportunity to sit down with Prairie, Jesse, and John. And uh, the only reason I didn't include Chasm in this is because I've interviewed Chasm, you know, four or five times because he comes through the area on a fairly frequent basis. And uh, not that I could, not that I would ever run out of topics to talk about with Chasm. I mean, I mentioned to you before that I have a dog named Chasm. I'm a huge Chasm Sultan fan, almost to the almost to the level of Todd in many ways. But I just wanted to kind of have, literally just have a chat with these guys and, and kind of like we were sitting around having a beer, which which we weren't at the time, and just kind of talked about how, you know, they came together as musicians, how they all wound up working with Todd. Because I, I think you would agree with me, Mel, that bands that Todd has worked with through the years, um, these, these players, you know, John, Jesse, Prairie, um, and Chasm, you know, they're the ones that, that are on some level the constant and they seem to, to, to come and go. But it's just such a great mix of, of musicians, and I think we saw that on this last tour. So that's it. It's, it's just kind of a conversation. I think some of it, yeah, some, I, I mean, you'll probably feel like you're sitting, eavesdropping dropping in on a conversation, and that, that's sort of what it was, it was meant to be. And when you write these things up, you you take out a lot of the fluff and the ums and the, oh, gosh, you know, you think you're the greatest. And I'm definitely a little bit of fanboy in this one, if I remember correctly. But uh, overall, I, I think there's a lot of great information that they share, and, and they're very, just very genuine guys. Okay. Well, then why don't we give it a listen, and 
Once again, everybody, thanks for listening to Rundgren Radio. This is going to go on about half an hour or so, and then we'll come back uh, afterwards and uh, chat with Tom just a few more minutes, and then I will go ahead and, and give you guys the teaser for Labor Day weekend again because we had some tardy people here. So here we go. Let's take a listen to Tom Jennings' interview with several members of Todd's touring band. Well, if we could start kind of at, uh, I, I mean, I, I have a very <coughs> fairly decent uh, understanding of your histories with Todd, per se, just because I'm one of the, one of the crazy followers, but um, your first tour was, was back second when the movie Wild Working was the one that, that had originally recommended it to become a particular superhero. Correct. Yeah. So, Wild Working. <laughs> so, and you came on the Individualist Tour, yeah. I believe. So maybe we could just talk about kind of how your your relationship, John and Jesse, kind of came together as far as working partners and and uh, maybe your first impressions of each other and how that relationship has evolved over the years. God, I don't remember the year, but yeah. you know, I'm in the age of her for several years before that. Somewhere in the 80s, like mid 80s or so, we start we started playing together and uh, in clubs in Philly and. Always be admired as playing because I saw him play one one night uh, with a band and he was doing all the Andrew Balloon tricks and just all the things like wow Ezra Mohawk Ezra Mohawk yeah Ezra Mohawk and it was like wow yes are we all supposed to be in here if you don't mind yeah oh sure that's fine that's how Jesse and I you know we started out then and then Jesse played all the stuff with mine and we used it. Occasionally we put these like fusion jazzy kind of gigs where we get to stretch out. And uh, I wrote a lot of music and and, uh, and that was kind of like it was a lot of fun to do. We tried to make a go of it. And uh, then he started working with Todd and, and uh, that's how I met Todd was when he came to the shows and I saw him a couple times. But I'm also from Philly. So a lot of people that you know in Philly that was like, well, I have like one degree of separation or two degrees of separation. When the individualist tour came up, they wanted somebody to double on guitar uh, as well as keyboards. So I could do that. That's the that start from there. That's a sort of an add-on communication Yeah, it seems I mean you kinda you kinda in and out. I mean that band though, back to the individualist, that was an interesting tour because you guys played the whole album before Anybody had it? Because I believe there were some issues with the not the first time. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, it became yeah. commonplace kind of after that. I think the album after the one line here that was cut. Yeah, my religious. No, yeah, no more short. Individual twist with a twist. twist. Okay. Twist. Yeah. I don't know if that came out in time for us to play. No, all the way to the Johnson album we toured. Johnson well, that was just a four-piece band without Johnson. Yeah, the entire story. And that could have been coming off for like a year. Yeah, I remember that. She were opening up Wizard shows with Johnson after the Utopia group together. And that one. Yeah, the the second round of the show. Yeah. So what's, I mean, uh, you, it, from my perspective, it seems like you guys are on the road all the time. Is it tough on your families or anything? I mean, you're, you're not mine. <laughs> <laughs> She's used to it. Um, well, first of all, we're not on the road all the time. Uh, you know, there were a few years. It's it's more sporadic than that. It's pretty sporadic. Yeah, I've been with Ringo with the same band now for three years. 
was out with him. So, yeah, I mean, we had held band tour all last year, maybe one little bit in November. Was that 91 or 94 years ago? 
he's an interesting character, so that's maybe maybe that'll be my 2015 project. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. I'll be glad to talk to talk to you about him. Yeah, yeah. that guy missing my think about him every day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that he got into the talk. Yeah, and the dad, that was doing a lot of testing. Between the two, and the dad, he was doing a lot of testing. Did you know, did you know Vince Wallach at all? Or I only met him once, but he was, you know, that was then during, I guess that uh, tour, I was still the individual's tour, and that, that was like the last show that the Grateful Dead played, um, and I just met him because they were staying in the same hotel, something like that. Oh, when yeah, we were saying in Chicago, Chicago, we were saying uh, Ritz. Ritz, it was really ritzy. It was like, well, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, we were hanging out in the lobby, drinking. Yeah, we got to drink with him, and we got to go see uh, Tom Jones. Did you go see that? No, I did go to Tom Jones show. That was on the Fourth of July or something. Yeah, yeah I remember the whole thing. St. Louis, under the arch. Do you guys have any, have any favorite cities that you like to play or favorite venues off the top of your head or is it just kind of just love to play? My favorite venue is the Bearsville Theater, two minutes from my house. That's the first one. Um, oh, you know, we love playing San Francisco, Chicago. No more, that's ten minutes from my house. No more in San Francisco. You, but we've got like a summer place out this way, don't you? Somewhere in Williamsville. I'll do it today. Yeah, I was learning, because I remember when you got it, because Lynn Calvitz is from around here, we're good friends, I think we were talking about that. She said, uh, uh, she drove me out there today, but it's, uh, it's kind of near Verona. Okay, yeah. Just uh, a few miles in from the lake, got a little property out there. And on the shed on it, that's about it. Oh, that's got to be great, though. Wow, what a cute. Do you have a venue? Favorite venues? Uh, my favorite venue is a venue that doesn't have a stair. You know, and you have to carry your keyboard <laughs> <laughs> or, or your bass amp or something like that. Um, but, you know, I live uh, near Philly. I grew up in Philly and stuff, so there are all the joints and clubs I used to play there all the time. Like years and years ago, um, I used to play in a band that had uh, Steve Berlin in it. We went to high school together. He's from Los Lobos. And uh, Robert Martin was also in the band from Frank Zappa's band. And uh, we used to play all around Philly. Um, as far as favorite venues, I'll tell you one that I, the most impressive venue I think I played at was when we with Todd doing the Liars tour at the uh, gosh, was the on the uh, in London Festival Hall, the Festival Hall, Festival, Festival Hall, which was really like, and it was a good show, and it was just like, wow, this is like I thought, well, this isn't bad, this is pretty good. <laughs> and big, a big audience, very positive reception. Shows that, I mean, especially Todd shows in, in particular, that, that really stand out as far as like a great night. And maybe if you have one that's the night from hell, that be yeah. kind of a Oh, I got a couple of those. Yeah, the first night from we did some, he was doing solo shows, and I would go along and play maybe 45 minutes of like with a twist material. I don't string acoustic guitar in the middle of the set. We played this place, he was booking this place called Crocodile Rock in Allentown. Pennsylvania, which is next to my hometown of Bethlehem, PA. So my parents were there, and it turned out to be like this biker bar. <laughs> and he's doing solo acoustic piano ballads, and couldn't even hear himself actually. Um, so he, he 
it's the only time I've ever seen him walk off the stage, you know, repeated calls for please. I can't hear myself up here. Can you hold it down? Can you be quiet? I, and it finally left with him like ending the show and walking off the stage. And I'm like, oh shit, you know, my parents are out there, a bunch of friends and stuff. So I think he waited about 20 minutes. The owner was freaking out. And I went out and said something into the microphone. I don't even remember. My people's man, come on. And he came back out, we finished the show, but, uh, you know, I think it got, like, really ugly, like, the, the, the owner kept all the merch money, and yeah. he's going to keep the merch. I remember we, like, Don't get snuck out of there. Don't get a these kind of games. <laughs> <laughs> really, literally hightailing it out of there. Yeah, but these are there. So, yeah. needless to say, never played Crocodile Rock again. <laughs> <laughs> and the song. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get these get places that are a little subpar sometimes. It could be the equipment, could be the room itself, could be the house crew, could be the deli tray. <laughs> 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 but generally, you know, we, we roll with it. That was a particularly bad one off the top of your head. Well, I remember one that was really kind of fun. It was Brown Angeles tour and it was just because it was like the drunken tour. It was in Atlantic City and, and everyone was pretty lit. Well, Todd was pretty lit. We were all pretty lit and it was just like, well, we're going to have fun. And we just, just, and it had a lot of fun. I mean, but it was around the same time that there used to be this thing called the Weasel Ball. Remember this? <laughs> and it had oh, yeah, a little yeah. thing and, and it had a battery and it kind of dragged a little uh, tail around. It looked like the weasel was playing with the ball. So he had one on stage. And it, it was like it became a joke of like carrying around this weasel ball on the stage. It was on stage, and I think he used his guitar like a golf club, and he just shot it out in the audience. <laughs> so I was like, "Holy cow!" You know, I hope it didn't hit anybody. But uh, it was like, "Oh, jeez," you know. But we were pretty lit. It was like, "Thanks," you know. <laughs> and the funny part was, I thought, "Well, you know, I wonder how people would like this." But everybody seemed to like it because we were just having fun. Um, we didn't necessarily play our best, but we definitely had fun. There were a lot of good with a twist shows too. I enjoyed yeah. that tour because it was kind of like you were playing in the same venue every night. Yeah. Because we set up our own stage. You know, the stage was the club essentially. There was a tiki bar on the stage and tables with patrons that were selected from the audience. Three sets long. <laughs> a comedian. The the. The promoters were instructed to find the worst comedian they could find, which they never did. The guy, the comedians rarely kind of. They didn't find uh, Neil Hamburger. Yeah, no. The, the comedians rarely got with the program. They would play to the audience out in the house, but that's not what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to play the people on stage and ignore the house, and they believe we were in a little tiki bar. Yeah, but you know, hauling the same set around, you'd walk into a different club, 500 miles from where you just were, and then. Same set. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of round. I enjoyed that. That set now is in their real tiki bar in Honolulu. Oh wow! Yeah, Princeton. Interesting. They have a tiki bar called Tiki Amiki. Beautiful place in show. And uh, they use a lot of the set. The same set. Same <laughs> decor. The club. Make it work. Yeah, hopefully my name's there somewhere. I bought a t-shirt. I was one of the boosters when they were, they were doing that t-shirt campaign for the Tiki and Niki. Yeah. 
I guess that leads to kind of my next question, which I've always batted around thinking about, you know, when you get these conceptual ideas for these different tours. I mean, I know even like the state tour, like I saw that at Bearsville Theater two nights, and, mm. and you two guys were there. I don't know if you had a chance to see that at all, John. Yeah, it's, it's a totally different uh, yeah. animal, and it feels like, I mean, you go, you go on so many different configurations and so many tours. Has there ever yeah, been yeah. one that you just go, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> no, because we always expect the weirdest, you know, different kind of Yeah, I mean, look back and, geez, it's, you know, big band, small five-piece rock, on progressive rock ensemble, yeah. you know, uh, loungy, tiki act kind yeah. of uh, uh, album shows, you know, did the Wizard album, we did the Todd Healing tour, both of those albums in entirety. The blues, uh, blues show, the Johnson show, yeah. um, state thing was really different. Really different. I mean, we were involved in the local tour. You got replaced by Jojo Bill. They were a little bit nicer to look at. I got to admit, but it was nice to have them now. Especially these first couple shows. We had the three, had the three dancers on the on the big band tour too, so we did. but definitely right. Uh, well, he had the, he had the pod tour too. The, uh, oh, that's right. The uh, that's right. Not the individuals, but what was that record? No world order. No world order. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> so yeah. So how do you find how do you find out when you're going to go on a tour? Is it just as simple as like an email or? Well, here's my wife lets me know. Yeah, <laughs> your wife, I, mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, Jesse. And then the word goes, well, yeah, our house is Alchemy, pretty much Alchemy Productions. Todd Central. You know, this, <coughs> all the work for her started two and a half months before we started, at least two and a half, three months. He organizes all the travel arrangements, all the hotels. Yes. Good job. Thanks, Lou. Well, it's funny, she was talking when, we were, when I was interviewing her in Cleveland, I remember her saying about the band going out, and she, I think this this may be her favorite configuration of top players. I'm not just saying that because you're in the room, but she was like, oh, we're still back out with the band. I'm really happy about that. Well, as soon as she knows there's a tour, it's like her job. It's almost 24-7, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I've dealt with her from a media standpoint. She's always, I mean, there's a lot of publicists from whatever, they're so hard to deal with, and she definitely has a reputation as one of the, the nicer ones, and she's always very quick to respond to you. And if she doesn't, she's very apologetic. But it's funny, she'll apologize for something that she'll get back to you that's three times as quick as anybody else, but she still feels like she should have got back to you quicker. But yeah, she's wonderful. And a great singer. I'm a slacker. By yeah, did you hear her sing on the acapella tour? I heard her sing on the acapella tour. At, uh, we talked a lot about it, about the fact that uh, like her daughter went to Buff State, so she has some connections yeah. to this area, which is where my son's going. But uh, yeah, the interview, hopefully you all have a chance to read it. She talked a lot about her singing career and how much she loves to sing. And, yeah, that show in, uh, in Cleveland, the last orchestra shows, they were, they were very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your time. It's seven. Looks like the doors probably open for the show right now. <coughs> yeah. um, but I don't know anything. I, I guess since this is for Todd Fan Magazine, I would like to just say you didn't ask me about what my worst gig was. So it wasn't my. I did ask you, but you kind of you kind of skirted around. You said I have a few. Jesse talked about the. Right, but I didn't get it. He got him. So anyway, it wasn't my worst gig, but it was Todd's worst gig. Probably. And it was at the Cleveland Zoo. Oh, God. And we were playing, I think it was the Tiki Tour. Yeah. 
And we're, he's got the shakers on stage. Right? We had this monitor guy that we called like Lurch or something like that. And professor, Fester, 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 Fester. And he just, you know, just couldn't get it right. So Todd chucked a, uh, an avocado that was actually just plastic and hit him with a tooth, knocked the tooth out to get his attention. Yeah. Didn't mean, didn't mean to. And he didn't want to hurt him, but just was so happened that it knocked his tooth out. And then kind of hell kind of broke loose for a while there. And then on the way out, but to change his next costume with the birds, he the encore, he fell and there was a hole in the stage and Todd fell up to his armpit in a, a state hole in the stage. Yeah, it wouldn't. And I don't even know why there was a hole there, but he fell all the way up to his armpit, scraped the whole sides of his leg. So I guess what we call that that instant karma. That was instant karma. Oh my gosh. I wonder, was that Cleveland or Chicago Zoo? Yeah, we did the Chicago as well, but this was Cleveland Zoo. Okay. Uh, maybe it was, yeah, yeah, because it was it Chicago. It was Chicago. It was Chicago. Because I remember Chicago. the other part about that gig was they, that like, they were supposed to take us in golf carts back off the it stage to like a little ante room. And so the band came off and got in the golf carts and there was no one to take. And you know, so it was kind of like one of those little zoo train kind of play thing. We got in these golf carts and there was no one to drive. And then there was no security, so all these fans still came, and they were like, they swarmed the car. And I, I remember thinking, this is really, really bad. You know, like, you know, it's been fun. It was like kind of like you had to, the, the cars had to pull away, push people off, in order to get out, get away from it, to get back to our, um, you know, dressing room. We're all animals in the zoo. Yeah, really. <laughs> the animals were on the other side of the cage that day. So, it's, uh, it's like that. Well, I was going to say, this is for Todd Fan Magazine, obviously. I mean, I, I mean, you know, this is a pretty interesting fan community, to, to say the least. Um, I mean, what's, what's your impressions of, of guys like me or the other ones that, you know, spend their lives running around and, and checking you guys out and trying to learn about all of you? Well, me, me, myself, personally, I, I really adore all the fans. I really do. I just, you know, they, they make my life really happy and excited when I come around. You know, they're all glad to see me and stuff. And, and then they say, excuse me. Can you get me on the bus to talk to Todd? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go, no, you gotta do that yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my no, that's okay. We want his. Oh my gosh. And he's probably the hardest one to talk to out of a lot, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> fun. He likes to get a good group together and they'll, they'll step up to the plate. But you know, he he puts on these incredible, uh, you know, lately you know, all of these uh, these camps and musical events and. Birthday parties and things like that, where all the fans can come and get real close to me. Yeah, there's a lot of artists that you know have meet and greets and VIP packages and shows and stuff nowadays. But he really put himself right in there, you know, put himself right in front, right in there with the bands through these other things. He likes to get presents. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions for the fans, John? I wonder again to make it so that we can play. I mean, that's that's really important thing. Uh, you know, if you're a musician and you want to be do something on a higher profile, you need support, you need people that really like your music, you know, that sort of like the artist and, and uh, they're really nice. I mean I, I have my own music because of my association with Todd, there's I have my own bands now that I would not <laughs> based on my own music would never attract. But it's nice to have that and uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, 
Oh, you're right. I mean, you're so right though about the camps and everything else. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of artists that the meet and greet is you know, $250. Well, you go over there, you shake a hand, and that's you know, it. You can go over the camps, the camp out at his house on stock, pre-tod stock. That kind of thing. Yeah, he's been very generous with, you know, I think everybody over the years in terms of uh, work and, you know, the camaraderie we have. I'm, I'm grateful for this group of people, you know, we just have this association. Because before this, <laughs> you know, what do we have going on? We're scuffling, you know, yeah. it was like. And now, now we have this family that's been like 25 years. Yeah. Family values. Family so values. Today. <laughs> I slipped that out like three yeah. days ago. Yeah. I totally appreciate the, the career that he's given me. You know? And the fans all come with that. It's just all part of it. Favorite fan question is Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse gets mistaken. And I have to go. Oh, wow. or, or, you know, just without that, it's like, can I have your autograph? And I have to go, well, you probably really don't want mine. <laughs> I'm Jesse, and they're, oh, okay, see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, the first I'm time I saw you play was at the Ritz in New York City, the new Ritz, the old Studio 54. Oh, you walked out on stage, this is the band you were in, and I thought you were Todd. I was like, oh, look at Todd. I think it looks like he's lost some weight, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked like this since I was about 12. Yeah, well, that interview you did with him, uh, with the two, where you were just sitting there talking, it was the best interview Todd oh, had done uh, ever with anybody. And he told me we talked too much about gear. Oh, <laughs> no, that was just, that was amazing. I don't know if you had a chance. I mean, just really the in-depth about the music and everything from uh, yeah, that an was hour that long. Yeah, AOL thing, was it? Some kind of uh, interesting thing. Yeah. It was an AOL. Yeah. Uh, AOL. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Yeah, it was just great. It was just great stuff. But yeah, well, you know, again, as a fan, just uh, obviously, I, I, I love the music you guys. I mean, we, we were all fans. Yeah, yeah, that's why we appreciate that. Yeah. We know that. Philadelphia. We love you. It was not a Katie Boy in cover band. You know, it was a blues standard. Yeah. In our neck of the woods. It was on FM radio. And I didn't remember hearing this song. Go, wow. You know, like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I bought, I bought that. I bought that record. I brought it to school, and I was like, what is this? I got beat up. And <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, I pretty much bought every Todd record, solo record, the day it came out. The run album. I remember the day that album came out. I went to the record store. I think I had five dollars, six dollars, which could get me two records those days. And on the shelf was Run, Eric Clapton's first solo album came out the same day. And Rolling Stones getting your yayas out <laughs> all came out on the same day. And so I got the Clapton album the time. But I'm thought, oh, wow, put on the Eric Clapton album. I was like, wow, the wrong way. What happened? <laughs> you yeah, started playing a strat, and the, you know, it was coming up a cream and blind state. This godly tone turned into Stratagap. It's a good record and everything. It's not, I hate that record. But a lot of people feel that way about Eric Clapton. Which, which record was The first, Eric, the one with After Midnight on it. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, it was just suddenly he's in, like, Delaney and Bonnie. Yeah, right. Suddenly it's a complete turnaround. The band or Delaney and Bonnie. I just remember hearing the guitars out and wincing. Kind of missed that sick thing. Uh, he never was that. I don't know. Clapton's one of those weird artists that, that over his career he's recorded and done a lot of stuff that I love, but I just never really had that one album that 
other than, I mean, Layla was, was Derek and the Dominoes. Beyond that, it's, he never had a really good solo on the top of the bottom. Kind of strange. Cream was a hard follow-up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, those records to this day. Absolutely amazing records. Yeah, that was such a great band. The sound. You hear that first chord in I Feel Free, and just the sound of the studio. Records are like that too. Drum sound. It's like a, a jazz trio with an opera singer in the front of it. You know, just like really with this bluesy guitar thing. And uh, they were really amazing. Jack so Bruce. Jack Bruce's Jack Bruce opera. opera yeah. Operatic voice. You know, it's amazing. And uh, and that pair of clap. I remember thinking, wow, I think that's a really good guitar player. I was young enough to not really know what he was. I think that's really good. Got me, it got me into playing guitar, so that was, that was a plus, too. Uh, All right, well, guys, thank you so very much. Uh, positive our paths will... Oh, okay, sorry about the abrupt ending there, folks. Um, <laughs> I need to apologize for the audio. Um, neither Doug nor I got to actually listen to those interviews uh, before they were uploaded, so um, I don't know if that sound can be adjusted for the archives or not, but uh, you guys get the gist, and uh, Tom, man, see, there you go with that great interviewing style of yours. You just listen to them, and then that led to the next question. That was awesome. Good questions. Yeah, they're, well, they were pretty easy. It's uh, I know the sound quality was a bit rough. I, it, pro it, it It's weird. It must be something to do when you upload it, because it's not the, the original recording's not nearly as uh, as garbled, so I mean maybe I can even upload it somewhere in the original form if somebody wants to listen to it. Um, okay. But yeah, pretty pretty easy bunch of guys to talk to. I mean, I, I think that, um, and I, I hear from a lot of different musicians that I speak with that one of the most important qualities in a band, a touring band, more so than maybe a studio musician, is the ability to get along on the bus. And I think that, I think that that really is the situation with all these guys. So not only are they just tremendous players, but as you can hear, just from a, a guy like me, you know, whoever I am, some small time journalist in Western New York, um, they can sit around and just, just hang and chat. And there's just very down to earth, very pleasant guys. And I'm sure they're great to be on the road with, you know, whether it's, maybe having a couple of drinks after the show or just to, to hang out and eat dinner with. They really are great guys, and and they've gotten to know each other so well over the years. They, you know, they kid with each other, and, I mean, I guess that's how you have to survive living on a bus, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's very cramped quarters. It's, uh, I, mean, I can't speak from experience. I've never been on tour, but, I mean, I can, I mean, I, heck, you know, you've been on vacation with your family, and, after a while, you can potentially get on each other's nerves, or I think anybody that's even been in like a, a garage band or whatever, you know that if the personalities don't mesh, it really doesn't matter what the talent is. It, it's uh, it's just not going to work. And you know, you see that you see that on the stage, and and, and obviously the fact that Todd keeps calling these these same guys back in in one way, shape, or form, I think that says a lot about them. Right, right. Well, listen, we've got a caller. I don't know who it is, but we may as well see because it may be someone that wants to talk to you, Tom. Um, area code 440, are you here with us now? 
Hello, Mal? Hello? Mal? Yes? It's Teddy Driscoll. <laughs> How are you, Patty? Oh, honey, I'm fine. It's so good to talk to you all. Hey. What's going on, Patty? You're in Tennessee now? Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, Rick and I are living together half and half, and uh, it's going really good, and we're heading toward engagement, actually. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, awesome. yeah. At 50 years old, I fell in love for the last <laughs> time, and for I'm really life. happy. How Great. are you, Mel? Oh, just chugging right along, enjoying the summertime. Okay, so what's up with this malicious rumor that Todd would be in Cleveland at Kent Stage in August of this summer? Is that a repeat of last year? I don't know the official story all i know is what i have read online um apparently eventful sent out you know their eventful emails and it said that he was going to be there they even gave a date and they put 2016 uh it was they august sure did. they sure did but um somebody spoke to the owner of the theater there and they said that that was not true not true okay that's right. for me. Um, question number two: Did Todd change his hair? Uh, well, for when I, when uh, I saw for this, on, when I saw on Friday, it looked the same. I mean, it, it looked a little blacker, maybe, but I think, I think at his age, he just dyes it. So I, I don't know that he changed the style at all. It's still the kind of the blonde stuff on the top, and then the, the darker stuff below it. Yeah. Is that you, Doug? Oh, no. no. I'm sorry. That's Tom Jennings. That was the guy that was doing oh, the interview. Oh, Hi, Pat. We just, we just talked on Facebook like half an hour ago, and you forgot me already. Thanks a lot. I know. I miss uh, you, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, say hi to Rick for me. I, I uh, You know, Rick inspired me the last Rundgren Radio get-together we had because he, he always has that eye on his on his bald head and of course my right. to the to the bald head group I uh, I had one painted on my head as well. That's my wreck. <laughs> All right. Hey you guys, I just wanna say the good work and I love you guys so much and um I did have to change my Facebook uh name and everything so People, please find me under Patricia Marie Driscoll. My, okay. my tablet. Well, my tablet broke, and then uh, the Facebook police turned me in as a repeat and all that happy horse stuff. So, um, please, if there's anyone out there who's looking for me, find me there. And, okay. Uh, more Thanks. Light. More All right. Light. You take and care. Have a nice day. We'll <laughs> see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
<laughs> I'll tell you what, with that uh, that accent mixed with Rick's accent, that must be a very interesting household. Yes, yes, no doubt. Oh, me. <laughs> okay. Great, um, great, great people, for sure. Oh, yes, for sure. Okay, um, I'm going to go ahead and repeat the uh, the newsflash about Labor Day weekend. So the people that were a little bit late coming in, if you missed it, it's not a whole lot of information to give to you. But Doug and I got some interesting news this afternoon, and we are 90% sure that Labor Day weekend for the Rundgren Radio Year 9 Birthday Bash 7 is going to happen. It's not going to include Todd. The location is within striking distance of New York City. And uh, to, to quote Doug, he said it's going to rock people's world and it's going to be totally off the hook. And that's a direct quote. And uh, we're, we can't t- tell you who's involved or what the events are going to be, and we can't be any more specific about the location except that it is very close to New York City. Um, and yet the events are going to probably top our event that we held in Boston a couple of years ago. Um, so you're really going to want to attend this. Even though Todd's not going to be there, it doesn't mean it's not going to be a good time. And next week here on RungrenRadio.com, we're going to have Millie, uh, who was a dancer with the NWO tour. Oh, gosh, when was that? 90s? The 1990s? So um, 91, I think. Yeah, a a couple of weeks ago at least. (laughs) None of us have aged since then. But, Tom, I want to thank you so much for being my co-host tonight. And uh, really enjoyed the interviews. We're going to see if we can clean up the audio on that and uh, get it posted somewhere. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, if you run it into Audacity or something, it'll probably pull it up. So it's uh, it's a long interview, but I I think there's I think there's a lot of good stuff. And and uh, if you could hear some of the kind of the funny stories and whatnot from the road about, I, I think the funniest part was was where they talk about the disasters. You know, and I'm trying to ask them about their favorite gigs or venues that they play at. And they're talking about, oh, yeah, well, what about the worst <laughs> experiences that we had and just some of the train wrecks and uh, very spinal tap, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like the story about the weasel ball, that's for sure. I can yeah. hear that part. So anyway, everybody, um, thanks again, Tom, and we'll have you on again. You're a wonderful co-host. Uh, I think you and I get along very well. So um uh, I hope you're available next time we ask you to come on. I am. I am always waiting in the wings. Uh, this is this is absolutely one of the my favoriteest things to do in the whole world because I love Todd. But you know, you and and Doug are great people. And yes, Mel, I I, I think uh, you know I just love being on there on the air with you. And when I get to see you in person, sometimes you even take your hair and make a fake wig for me if you remember. That. Yes, I did. I know. <laughs> That was uh, quite the chuckle. Okay, everybody. Uh, Short show tonight, um, but um, we will be back next week, um, as I said, with Millie from the NWO tour back in 91. 
So we're going to say good night right now and have a great week. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Rundgren, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. My people!